When Parliament sits, it's not just members of Parliament and senators who crisscross the building. This week, a group of Indigenous leaders from communities across the country are in Canberra. They've travelled a long way to be here, and they've made the trip uh, to argue their case for a voice to Parliament. Tyrone Garstone is one of the members of the Empowered Communities. He's also the CEO of the Kimberley Land Council, and he's in the studio with me right now. Tyrone, welcome. Good morning. Thank you. You've come all the way from the Kimberley to be here. That's a very long way away. This is an enormous country. What's your message to Parliament this week? Look, we feel that we need to be very staunch in our position about clearly saying that there needs to be recognition in the constitution of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Um, there's a group of us that have been working quietly behind the scenes in true empowered communities, poofing up over 10 areas, um, both urban, rural and remote, proofing that local decision-making and engaging and having a real partnership with government can change the lives of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. And we feel that we need to be able to elevate that up and having a national voice into parliament is the next position for us to, in order for us to take the next step. Who are you meeting while you're in Canberra? Um, so far, we've met with uh, both uh, Minister Linda Burney and Mark Dreyfus. We've also sent out a request with, to meet with the, um, the opposition leader, Dutton. Um, we're also meeting with a few of the Liberals, um, Ad, uh, Andrew Bragg, also Julian Lisa and, and Zoe McKenzie. Um, we've also sent out a, we've got a, a meeting with uh, Adam Brandt as well from, from the National. So you've requested a meeting with Peter Dutton. Have you had a response? Uh, not as yet, but we're still here for another three days, so hopefully we'll get a favourable response. Uh, is there, in terms of Peter Dutton, what, what do you want to ask of him? Because when you meet with the government, they're already moving to a voice. That's their commitment. What do you want Peter Dutton to do? Look, I think the key thing for us is to remove the politics out of this whole argument. I mean, fundamentally, in every Aboriginal community, if you were to go there and ask them, do you want to have a greater say around the policies, the legislation that impacts your lives, there will be a resounding yes. I think we're all tired of, of the bureaucracy telling us on how we're going to change our lives. We want to have a greater say. So I think you've got to remove the politics. Um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait people have been on this journey for decades. Um, so let's, let's have bipartisan support and, and put it forward to the Australian people because I really think that the Australian people out there are so progressive now. They want to see change. They want to see Australia be reconciled. Victorian Senator Lydia Thorpe, who quit the Greens yesterday, moved to the crossbench, bench rather, she hasn't said if she'll support The Voice. She has raised questions about The Voice, but she hasn't actually declared a final position. Will you be trying to meet with her while you're in Canberra now? Yes, we have sent out a meeting request to catch up with Lydia as well. Um, and at this stage, we're still waiting for a response to that. Right. Uh, what about CLP Senator Jacinta Price? Will you meet with her? Uh, again, uh, I think we'll send out a meeting re request and we'll see whether we get a favourable response as well. Your group, you're from the Kimberley, but just give me a sense of how diverse the group is, what kinds of communities you're representing. Yeah, for example, uh, for example so the Kimberleys itself where, you know, some real remote communities, so we've seen the 100-year flooding happening up in our area, so some people that have um, never even been on an aeroplane, some very remote, out in the deserts, um, to some of the more urban areas. So we've got people like in, in Sydney and Redfern coming through there as well. We've got up in Cape York coming through there as well, um, La Perouse, those areas as well. So we have lived experience over the last 10 years around a model that we can really see of how 
where listening to Aboriginal voices can really make a change and it's really about a partnership. Uh, we're clear to say that there's over $30 billion per year spent on Indigenous fears or targeted towards Indigenous expenditure. We're asking to have a better say and having more transparency around that and we, we are adamant that having a voice to in Parliament gives us that. One argument being used um, against the voice is that there are many voices already making representations to governments. How would this be different? Look, I think the voices that we are trying to hear and the, and the different matches is what we've seen is that there needs to be something that's protected. Uh, look, again, it gets politicised. A lot of the issues we're dealing with are multi-generational issues and they, need, they don't operate within the cycle of politics. So we need to be able to shelter ourselves through that and by having a... a voice in the constitution enables us and gives us the security of longevity. The other uh, question, of course, is whether uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders are behind this idea. Obviously, the Uluru Dialogues was a process that was concluded in 2017. What's your sense of the level of grassroots community engagement with this idea? Look, I think if you were to ask um, how many Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people have read the constitution, not many would say they would have. Um, but if you were to ask Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people, do you want to have a say on the policies, on the legislation and on the resources that affect your daily lives, you will get a resounding 100% yes. And that's fundamentally what this is, is about saying we want to have more say about our lives and about the policies that imp impact our lives. And what's the problem of not having a say? What are the practical implications when that happens? Look, we've seen where um, goodwill intention from governments is misguided and they have wasted money. There's duplications of services. Um, again, I refer to the expenditure around over $30 billion. We've seen uh, anecdotal evidence that says only about 20 to 25 cents and every dollar really hits the ground and has a meaningful impact. We want to work with government. We want to have a partnership with government and we want to have a say and a seat at the table around decision making. The other criticism that comes more from the left of politics is that, uh, you know, I heard it being described as crumbs on the table because you don't get to make the decisions, you just provide advice that it's not powerful enough. What's your response to that? Look, I, I think there's been a partnership for a number of years and good intent, and we've seen through the Empowered Communities model over the last 10 years of how we can have real impact when there's a true partnership. Um, so we've been able to influence it through our process over $150 million uh, in, in regards to government funding and redirect that to local priorities that have really made a significant changes in our communities. Um, however, there's limitations on that and that's why we do need to be able to have a more of a national presence and see how we can impact changes around that. What are you most worried about at the moment? Look, I, I'm most worried about how it's been politicised, how uh, the, simple, um, uh, the simple question of uh, how do we help the most disadvantaged people in this country, uh, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, how do we help them? And that's the fundamental principle. Now, I think there is definitely goodwill from the broader Australian public, um, and I'd hate for that to be defeated by the politics of, of the day. Peter Dutton says that he does want to move towards some sort of bipartisanship, but he needs all these questions answered. He's outlined 15, and then he thinks that we need to look to know what the body is going to look like. Why don't you think we should... Well, give me your view. Do you think we need to know what this body looks like before the referendum? I think there, that's an operational issue. You know, for us, fundamentally, we need to ask the question of the Australian public, do we need to be recognised in the Constitution? And then really, 
the operational details fall out of that, and that's up for government to do, and that's with consultation um, and decision-making of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. So you think politics is getting in the way, and yet this is being led by politicians at this stage. How do you you change that? Well, I think it's more by showing unity and being able to um, come through and show that there's a broad range of support for this particular position. And I think there is. I think a lot of the polling clearly shows that they would support a recognition uh, in the Australian constitution. And it's about showing um, from First Nation and Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people that get behind this. And I think some of the language that's being used is, is confusing for people on the ground as well. We hear, you know, sovereignty, we hear treaty, we hear first voice, uh, national voice. But the reality is the heart of it, how do we help our disadvantaged people, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, take control of their lives? Thank you so much for joining us. Tyrone Garstone is one of the members of the Empowered Communities. Now, Empowered Communities uh, is is a big grouping. They're all here in Canberra lobbying uh, different politicians on these issues. And he's the CEO of the Kimberley Land Council. You're listening to ABC RM Breakfast. It's easier than ever to hear your favourite local and national ABC radio stations live and on demand on the ABC Listen app.